Hello and welcome to Small Business Speaks, the podcast where we get to know the people and ideas that bring businesses to life. I'm Jen Silverian, a recruiter and business owner that loves to shine the light on people that are exceptional at what they do. Hi, it's Jen Silverian with Small Business Speaks. I'm excited about today's show. My guest is Justin Johnson, founder and CEO of BudSpeed. BudSpeed is a social platform and marketplace for cannabis brands. What does that look like, you ask? Well, it's kind of like a product hunt or a Reddit, except for the weed business. Entrepreneurs and brands submit their products, anything from pipes to papers, tinctures and mints, hemp beer, even dispensary walking tours. And then members review and upvote the products, and you can link directly to the stores for sales. Justin also tracks cannabis industry news and curates the top stories in a weekly newsletter. If you need to stay on top of what's going on in cannabis, then BuzzFeed is the place to go. I first met Justin when I placed him as head of business development at social media agency Deep Focus. I remember I left a wedding reception to talk to him. I just had a feeling. He's an idea guy and hustler, like Joe Gabia of Airbnb. What I saw in him was a commitment to an idea long before anyone else believed it could work. Justin led Deep Focus to its best growth years, just as he did companies before and after. In fact, he's been at the wheel of many successful ventures, from a coffee line in Oregon to Bud's Feed today. This is a kid that caught a garter at a wedding and sold it back to the groom. Just the kind of entrepreneur that Small Business Speaks is all about. I hope you enjoy our conversation and find something that inspires you. Hey, good morning, Justin. Great to have you. Morning. Thank you. Good to be here. So I like to ask people, particularly serial entrepreneurs, what was the first way they made money? So you've got to tell us the garter story. <laughs> yeah, so um, I can't, I don't even know how old I was. I couldn't have been more than six or seven years old, maybe eight. Um, but my mom's best friend uh, had moved to Montana to be with her fiance where they were going to be living. So we were out in Montana for the wedding and she launched the garter and I caught it and I sold uh, the garter back to the groom for, I think I said $20 and then somehow I ended up swindling him for $40. Nice. So it was pretty good. I guess that was technically the earliest time I ever made money doing something. It wasn't a recurring service that I could. Uh, well, no, it was a one of a kind was, item. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a, a good 40, 40 bucks. I thought I was rich too. I thought $40 was just the most amazing amount of money I could ever have. So, you know what, um, that doesn't seem bad for what a minute's worth of work. Yeah. Oh yeah. And just being really aggressive, you know, like I can't, I don't know how I beat all those adults. I'm, I'm guessing, I can't remember the exact dynamic, but the garter probably didn't fly that far. I'm a little guy who was able to dive in there. Um, but yeah, it, it worked out. Uh, when I found out that he really wanted the garter back, that's when I knew that I had something valuable. Okay. So from an early age, you were a bit of a hustler. I can see that. Can we talk about some of the other skills you acquired early in your career that swirled together to become the foundation of BuzzFeed? For example, you went to school for advertising. What did you plan to do from there? 
Yeah. Um, I always wanted to be a creative director. I didn't really necessarily know what that was, but that was kind of the dream was I was going to write commercials um, or make commercials for a living. So I really pursued copywriting early on, did an internship in copywriting. But um, I think pretty early on, I realized that there's a lot of aspects of that job that I didn't like. A lot of it had to do with writing brochures for like medical devices and stuff that I didn't realize copywriters also had to do. I guess it makes sense now, but um, I didn't realize it at the time. Um, and I got, I, I, you know, I got recognized for my ability to write, but also I had a high technical aptitude, like the ability to build websites, do email campaigns, like figure that kind of stuff out. Mm -hmm. And I ended up getting into business development at an agency called Wong Duty in Seattle. Um, I was there for almost maybe five or six years. Um, started in Seattle, got promoted to, uh, to work at Wong Duty in Los Angeles, which is really when my role transitioned more into doing digital strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, I was responsible for business development, but in reality, we were, we needed to develop a different service offering because traditional television commercials were getting more infrequent uh, and unreliable as sources of revenue. And so um, I learned a lot about search marketing, SEO, web analytics, um, and really nascent versions of Facebook advertising. Um, I was probably when was this just in yeah. like 2008, 2007. Yeah, it was 2008. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I spent two years in Seattle after graduating in 06, um, then went to LA and yeah, around 2008 when, and really the economy collapsed, but social media also started to wreak havoc on how brands and agencies prioritized money, right? Obviously brands were pulling back the big dollars that were being spent on television commercials. And they were saying, oh, this social thing actually gives us reach and the production quality can be lesser because there's a lower expectation. Now that's kind of, it's equalized. Like you expect really highly produced content mm -hmm. on the web. But back then it was, you know, that was, there was two dynamics happening. There was the economic collapse but there was also in the agency world um, a shift to digital for many reasons, including cutting budgets, but also exploring this new social media thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you were doing business development at a time when agencies were changing their service offering and everyone was interested in digital and social. Um, yeah. So you had to start educating prospective clients about that. Where did you go from there? Um, the goal was always to be in New York. That was always part of that creative director dream. Um, and uh, I was able to parlay that into a job at Digitax, um, where I did similar social media-based entertainment content for American Express. Um, I did that for a couple more years before diving back into business development. And actually, you, you placed me at uh, Deep Focus. So... I ended up being a deep focus and uh, for about five years um, where we took the company, I mean, I think we doubled its size twice over a three-year period of time. Um, and I was actually able to spin out 
um, a company called Moment Studio, which is an independent content creation studio. Okay, so then you finish your role at Deep Focus. Did you then start working on BuzzFeed? Well, so I actually had spent between my agency life and BuzzFeed a small amount of time, you know, a couple of years working in software. And that's where I actually learned a lot more about what it takes to build an application that emulates, you know, what the user experience that really is conducive to, um, you know, collaborating with other people, right? And so um, after a couple of years of that, I had had the idea of, of BuzzFeed and I realized, you know, it was just really time to bet on myself and go out on my own. Um, I know a lot about the cannabis industry. I knew a lot about how to build a brand and especially a digital brand. And I picked up a lot of skills on how to um, build software. Okay, so we've got business development, digital and social strategy, and then software development. Now we can talk about Bud's feet. Where did the idea come from? What did its earliest version look like? So I was really inspired to build a platform where, you know, uh, we talked about content and, or sorry, cannabis and the business of cannabis, but in a really fun way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the original idea. The idea was like, okay, how can we deliver this as a brand? Budsfeed, great name, great brand. Visually, we've built it out um, and really tried to make an impression on the marketplace. Um, and so that was the idea. And I didn't know if we were going to be a publication or what we were going to be. Ultimately, um, the idea dawned on us is, you know, we don't want to be in the business of having to create original publications or original articles about everything that's happening in the industry. There's a lot of people doing that that are really great at it, and that's their journalists, right? We wanted to create a platform that allowed cannabis entrepreneurs and consumers to connect and share the things that they love. Um, uh, more like a social platform, something that powers itself. So, you know, generally uh, what we ended up building is a social platform where anyone from consumers to entrepreneurs can share their favorite cannabis-related products and services, and users can vote on those products and services mm-hmm. and comment on those products and services and have either conversations with the, the, you know, the fan of the product that's seated on the site or the brand themselves. That's amazing. Tell me as a brand, so I come there, I'm able to um, upload my products. Um, Other members um, vote on those products, review those products, talk about the products. Um, How did you uh, initially get brands involved? What were the steps you took to to build an audience and to attract cannabis uh, brands to the site? Yeah, I think anytime you're trying to build something that's powered by a community, it's really a chicken and egg situation because it's you can't build software that works well without the user feedback. Um, you can't build an audience without a good piece of software, right? So that, that was probably one of the bigger challenges. Um, and so what we did is we started small. Um, we built a very simple platform um and we recruited a bunch of users first before we started recruiting brands 
people who understood cannabis, people who understood the cannabis scene, people who understood cannabis politics, medicine, etc. Okay. And we asked them to contribute to the site. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin, how did site. you um, how did you find those people? Did you go to influencers or did you start going to events? Yeah, I would say um, when I when I really launched BudsFeed, there was a handful of people that I had already trusted uh, and that I could lean on when I dove into the industry. Um, I would say where I spent the majority of my time in the first six months of building the business was entrenching myself in the New York cannabis scene. Um, I went to events fundraisers. Um, I met the people who were making the CBD products. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime I could go to a networking event, I would go to them. Ultimately, what that led to was getting invited to dinners that are a little bit more closed door. Um, and ultimately developing friendships with a lot of people in the New York cannabis scene, um, as well as, you know, you know, I'm from Washington State. I spent a lot of time in Los Angeles. I definitely have. Um, friends in Colorado, as you can imagine, here in Colorado. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so I, I would say that part of it was my existing network, but a lot of what I spent my time on early on was actually building um, true community uh, in real life. And I think that that was really important because being somebody who comes from Washington State, it's been legal for a long time. There are a lot of things that Washington State, policy-wise, didn't have to worry about the same thing. You know, the same you know the same problems that New York has to worry about. So, you know, New York has um, a horrible medical program. So the illicit market is, you know, or the legacy market, as I like to call it, is really where the scene is at in New York. Um, I also think that uh, uh, just being able to connect with people of different backgrounds and understand things like day one equity programs, like the ability for somebody who grew up in a certain neighborhood to be able to get a dispensary in their neighborhood. um, uh, Those are very big things in New York that didn't exist for me in Washington. I think, you know, Connecting with people at a grassroots level in New York was probably one of the most important things I did and actually um, allowed me to understand the bigger picture of the cannabis business and how it impacts uh, everyone. Mm -hmm. As you um, described your idea to people, what kind of reception did you get? I mean, did did you know you were on to something based on people's responses? Um, I think people have always loved the name. They think it's fun. I don't know why. I don't understand what it sounds like. Um, uh, but I got really good responses to the idea of the mechanics. I was able to build an MVP very quickly. And, uh, I was able to show people a demo of it very quickly. And that resulted in, um, a lot of early excitement from people like investors because um, really there's no place where a brand can actively share their product and feel safe about it, right? 
How would they do it otherwise? What are some other venues for brands outside of BuzzFeed? Yeah, so I think I think most brands try to you know stake their real estate. So they'll have a Twitter and a Facebook and an Instagram, but very few people do much on Facebook or Twitter, um, just because the ability to build audience there is very difficult. Um, and you know, for, in Facebook, in, you know, in regards to Facebook in general, they're pretty resistant to the idea of cannabis-related products being shared. Because Instagram, of the legality. Because the federal legality, yeah. Okay. So with Instagram, Instagram is actually um, probably the hottest spot where people share their cannabis-related lifestyle. Um, but you're always running the risk of getting pulled down. So, you know, there's no surprise that people like to go to Instagram. It's easy to build audience. Um, there's a ton of scale there. So that's where a lot of people, I think, have invested their time in building their brand in the cannabis space, but it's on a platform that doesn't really condone it and doesn't really want people doing it. Um, I also think that it's only a place that really is helpful from an organic standpoint and, um, you know, trying to get ads approved, even if you're a 100% legal CBD company, is a very difficult thing to do on Instagram or Facebook mm-hmm. or Google, mm-hmm. for that matter. What kind of products are coming on to BuzzFeed? You know, it's interesting um, because early on, there was a lot of me adding products, right? So I, you can tell your own bias based on when you start to hit some level of critical mass with users. Um, so I'm a nerd for the machines and like the big business. Like, I, I think it's amazing that there's, there's a company that makes distillation machines. It's having multi-million dollar years next year because of the cannabis industry and that the tractor industry who's building attachments for industrial hemp is having a big boom in the soil industry. And, you know, I get kind of excited about all of that stuff because that's a big picture thinking of, of, about the industry and that's what's happening right now. That's real money being made right now. That's not being calculated in the impact of cannabis on the U S economy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say as more users and brands, uh, join the platform, seeing a lot more glass, seeing a lot of CBD brands, um, different, different types of CBD products, uh, from tinctures and patches and, hand sprays and rubs. So it's pretty cool. Um, you know, every once in a while, somebody will share a great strain that they really love. Um, a lot of art and content, which is pretty cool. Cause there's like, you know, there's like spoken word poets that are doing stuff about cannabis. They don't have the biggest audience, but it's cool to be able to be another platform for them to build their audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am seeing a lot of people who might be putting their content on YouTube or something like that coming and also putting it on BuzzFeed. Um, um, yeah, probably I would say I would say there has been a shift to more consumer-facing brands over the last few months as I've scaled, just because that seems to be the more active audience. You know, the big industrial machine companies aren't out there. Um, hype in their social media too much. Yeah. And it's up to the community to kind of seed those products. What, what becomes popular on a weekly basis. Is that right? How? Yes. 
so basically anybody can sign up for budsfeed.com once they're signed up they can do what's called seeding a product they can seed a product um there's a little plus sign at the top of the page you, you hit that um and you can add a title a description you can tag it with a few different categories you can add a link to where you can go buy that product or go view that product you know if it's a piece of content um you can add other valuable links um like if it's on leafly or weed maps or or it has a facebook page or an instagram handle um and then you can add photos and videos and so um you can make it as simple or as complex as you want um but you fill out a form you submit it uh that seed is reviewed within 24 hours and if it is approved we put it live on budsfeed.com uh throughout that week users on budsfeed are upvoting their favorite products potentially leaving comments on those products or having conversations about those products and then at the end of the week we celebrate the top five seeds. So say on an average week, maybe 20, 30 products will hit the feed. Uh, the top five at the end of the week are the five with the most upvotes. And we have, uh, you know, we, we give them, you know, top of page visibility on the site for another week. Uh, we create original social content about their products. And we also feature that content in our social channel or sorry, in our uh, um, email newsletter. So that's pretty compelling to brands to be able to control the representation of their product and to get it in front of a highly engaged audience. Yeah. I tell brands at minimum by sharing on BuzzFeed, you can build some valuable links back to your content, which is great for SEO at minimum. Um, you know, I won't even say at best, but you know, the likelihood is you're actually going to be exposing it to a community who could be really, be really interested in it. And if they're really interested in it, you could get an exponential amount of um, uh, publicity around your product for free. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So we've talked about, I, I guess, the last year and a half of your life um, as you were building BudsFeed while working full time at a uh, tech startup. Um, in December of 2019, I think, is when you decided to go all in on BuzzFeed. Um, what, when did, why did that fork in the road happen? How did you know that it was time? I was working at a startup. It was very well funded. Um, and I was very comfortable, and which is a great place to be. And I was well paid, um, which lended to the comfort. Um, but I, I realized it wasn't my own thing, and I only had so much control over that. And I was working from home, and I was just kind of like, I think I was in my own head a little bit about how fast I could make that thing move. Um, at the same time, I was always helping friends and, and brands and agencies with little things here and there if they needed help. Um, and I started to find that more and more people who were in the cannabis industry would come to me if I were to offer those services to them, you know, like business consulting, marketing consulting. So that started to make me feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, 
prior to that September date, um, I had actually been um, a former colleague of mine, somebody who worked for me, her father was investing. He had invested a lot, was very successful investing in the past, and recently retired and was starting to invest in the cannabis industry. Um, she asked if I would talk to him, um, tell him a little bit about my company, but also listen to him about these other companies you're looking at investing in and see if I can give him any feedback. Um, I did that and developed a friendship with him. Eventually, after advising him on his other investments, he said, I want to hear about BuzzFeed. Tell me what what BuzzFeed is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided I put together the business plan. I put together the MVP and I presented it to him. And he made an offer to uh, inject some angel investment into BuzzFeed that would effectively allow me to leave my job and focus on it full time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, long story short, I had a very uh, nice kind of relationship. Um, I was always concerned to leave the full-time job for financial reasons. And uh, I was very lucky to be able to present it in such a, under such circumstances and be able to secure funding and to be able to say, okay, I'm going to go out and bet on myself. Yes. So with that investor um, comes the uh, responsibility, right, to, to the business plan and to the timeline. Um, yep. What's your what's your focus right now? So I'm always maniacally focused on the user experience. I think that's something that I always have to improve and I have to constantly be introducing features that are going to make it more usable. Um, my biggest goal right now is to start acquiring more audience and I really am most interested in brands. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as much as, you know, like I already have a lot of organic consumer growth and I think people who go there for like a social shopping experience automatically get the value, right? Mm-hmm. People who show up there on the site generally end up buying something that they find, which is pretty cool. Um, and I've been told this anecdotally, I can also see this from the data and how many people are clicking to get the products. Um, what I want um, is to get more brands involved. And I feel like for, the main reason for this is because brands have always been um, the creators of the culture. So if I look at, you know, if you look at the cannabis industry 10 years ago, um, you know, it was all about the brand of the weed you were getting, right? It was like the Sour Diesel um, or, or Blue Dream or whatever it might be. Um, and then there was a handful of, of glass companies like Illidel and, and uh, you know, different, uh, different brands out there that are, um, that were always kind of behind cannabis culture. And I think that's more true today than ever. Um, you know, the people out there that are making cannabis popular at mass are the brands and people who are selling the products that people love and also have the purchasing power to create the cannabis related events. And, um, I feel like the more brands that I can have participating on budsuit.com, the more value it creates for the consumers and it's actually going to kind of grow both audiences. Mm-hmm. I'm also very, I'm very bullish on, on wanting to build, an audience of, of entrepreneurs and people who are using Budsy to launch their new products. 
Um, what are some of the ways that brands have gotten involved in your platform? I mean, they seed their product, but you, um, I think you recently launched a podcast where you're doing live product demos. Yeah. So we, um, the main way that brands can participate completely for free is to sign up and see their products. And, and, you know, like I just mentioned, the, you know, the, the dream would be that when a, you know, whether it's six months from now or a month from now or 12 months from now is that when a cannabis brand wants to launch a new product, they consider BuzzFeed as part of their launch strategy. Right. Well, it's just like a, like a product hunt, right. In Silicon Valley. Producthunt.com. Very, very pivotal. And, 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 and my thinking around BuzzFeed um, mechanics are very similar to Reddit. Right. The goal is, Hey, if I put this out there into the right community, I might have some outsized results, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It might blow up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that brands will always think about seeding their product as part of the strategy. Beyond that, there's a lot of things that we can do. So um, whether those are paying opportunities or organic opportunities, obviously, if you organically make it to the top of the front page and you're one of our top five seeds, that's all 100% organic and you're going to get the windfall of the user activity on the site. Um, we also have a promoted product uh, section on the site. Um, right now it's promoting BuzzFeed swag. Um, I, you are wearing the, the dad hat and the shirt looks good. <laughs> uh, uh, but we also do uh, product demo videos uh, and the video that you were just referring to buds unboxing is um it's actually a web series um we've shot four episodes we've aired two so far so uh, buds unboxing is uh features ramon rivas and adam mamawala two stand-up comedians um ramon is uh self-proclaimed snoop dog on a budget and cannabis sherpa uh whereas adam is what I like to call can abstinent. He does not smoke. It is not his lifestyle. Um, and they are unboxing, uh, unboxing products together. So um, the first product that they unboxed is one of the earliest products ever shared on BuzzFeed, which is Flint's Mouthwatering Mints. And we actually collaborated um, on the video with the CEO of Flint's Mints, uh, Russell Adler. Um, and then the most recent one that we just did was the Nug Smasher Mini. So Adam and Ramon used a large hydraulic, heated hydraulic press to make uh, uh, homemade rosin. <laughs> so there's a lot of, you know, um, all of those things I either do out of collaboration with the brands or to create visibility for BudSpeed, right? So um, Really, my main goal is to have everybody using BuzzFeed as a as a platform of choice for sharing their products and services. If they are interested in doing more with BuzzFeed, you know, we can do something like our product demo videos. We could talk about featuring a product in Buds Unboxing. We could talk about something like a featured blog post um, or anything else. Um, and in addition to the content we create, um, both static and video content, something that we've gotten really involved in is doing some of our own studies. So we just completed the 2020, uh, sorry, the BuzzFeed 2020 cannabis professional survey, um, 
which is really evaluating the pulse of people who work in the industry today and understand how, you know, understanding how they're feeling about the industry, the leadership and where things are headed. Um, and we're, we're about to pursue uh, another study uh, in the next couple of weeks about the relationship between um, the recovery from COVID-19 and the use of CBD. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are things that, um, you know, we're passionate about thought leadership and, and trying to do things that, um, you know, allow us to speak to professionals in this space with a lot of credibility. I agree. And I'm glad you mentioned the um, studies and the content because you are also curate on a daily and weekly basis um, all of the top news from the different cannabis journals and so forth. So it's really a one-stop shop for what's going on um, in the industry. Yeah, I try to do stuff that doesn't reinvent the wheel too much, right? Um, so that the, the website's designed the way it's designed because I want it to really be powered by the users. Like if I knew everything about cannabis and what was cool, I wouldn't need to have a social platform. I would just create an online headshot. But harnessing the power of the community, um, you know, it really lets me know what people care about. And that fuels everything. That's really the heartbeat of the site. It is identified, um, you know, what videos we should create. And really, it really kind of drives a lot of our original content creation. Um, with something like the TLDR news recap or in our newsletter, every week we have the TLDR news recap, our top five seeds and the five stats and stuff for our son. You know, there's no reason for me to go out and write yet another story about how the house approved, um, uh, you know, funds to go to cannabis related business only for the Senate to uh, decline it, yeah. right? Yeah. There's already two or three stories about that already. So what, mm-hmm. what I try to do is I try to find the best, most valuable stories every single week. And I summarize it in usually 10 or 11 sentences. And I add links to those stories. So I try to give you the gist. And, uh, you know, I give you the resource to go read the full story if it's something that actually hits home. So, like, if it's a story about, like, Michigan cannabis production and you happen to have an investment in Michigan – Maybe you'll go read that whole story. But the hope is at the end of the day, if you don't keep up with the industry and it is the same way that I do, what I can do is kind of give you my reading list and give you the gist at the, at the beginning of every week. So if you missed everything, you can stay up to speed. Yeah, it's, I, it's really valuable. And here's where an audio podcast is limited because you can't really envision the site, the platform until you're on it. Um, and it's really elegant and user-friendly and you can drill down to whatever level of detail you want, or you can just bob along the surface and check out, you know, cool new products that are being seeded every week. Um, the professional study, I want to touch on that. We're, you know, coming up on time, but before I let you go, um, what were some of the most surprising or eye-opening things that you found um, from talking to cannabis professionals about their outlook, their optimism for the industry? Well, there's a couple of things that were surprising. 
I think something around like it was two out of three of them believed that legalization would happen in the next four years. Um, and more than 80% um, foresaw a good financial future for their company, mm-hmm. um, which is good. Uh, very positive outlook. Um, one Just of the things is. Sorry, did yeah. you field the study before or after COVID? Right before, like literally right before. So I think some of those things can change. Um, some of the some of the things that I thought were really interesting, though, were like the attitudinal things. Like most of the people who took the survey believe the industry is more professional now, but also more greedy and less visionary. Hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's more professional, but the leadership isn't as visionary and they're much more greedy. And so there's some, there's some little, there's some little um, nuggets in there that I thought were really interesting when you ask people to compare the, you know, where we were 10 years ago versus today. Um, there was also a really great question about um, where people would invest. So the question was, if I were to give you a thousand dollars, where would you invest it today? And we had a lot, you know, processing, real estate, you know, me, you know, I think the classic business person would say, yeah, real estate, I want to own the buildings that these people are renting from me, right? But um, the vast majority of people who responded actually said they would invest in research and education. And what's funny is when I actually discuss with other people, like in conversations about where they're investing their time in, research and education even if they're a cbd brand and they are invested in a product like a lot of their money and time now is going into research and education and trying to uh, um, improve how they communicate the benefits to their their customers which is really hard because fcc you know or sorry the um um uh, FDA and, and all these other, you know, organizations really crack down on what you can communicate about the effectiveness of cannabis. You know, even CBD, the only thing that's ever medically been proven to do, according to, I don't know if it's the FDA or the CDC, is help with, um, I think it's the FDA, is uh, epilepsy. So, um, Epidiolex is a, is a drug out there that contains uh, CPD for lack of a better way to explain it. Um, but other than that, like, you know, the, the claims about it reducing anxiety and it reducing inflammation, those are all things that, you know, a lot of brands really struggle to talk about. So mm-hmm. I felt like it was both encouraging and interesting to find that, um, if people could invest their money anywhere that they would invest it in research and education. Yeah the need for more rigorous studies around product claims and, and benefits and so forth. It's a really interesting time that the last six or so weeks of this pandemic for cannabis, because on the one side, they've got the designation of essential business. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other side, they can't receive any federal federal stimulus money because um, it, it's still federally illegal. This has been an incredible education in what's going on in the cannabis industry. I encourage everyone to go check out Bud's feed, sign up for the the newsletter. Um, what else should they do on the site? 
what what do you want people to check out when they come online yeah i mean when you go to buzzfeed.com you know we have a lot of original content we've been creating recently but really every single day you show up there will be new products shared by real people and so i encourage you to cruise the home page the home feed um but if you really care about something in particular everything is organized into 50 plus categories so if you really are looking for cbd click on cbd and it's started by the most popular products ever on buzzfeed or the newest pop products ever on buzzfeed um you know use the organized information in a way that benefits you to learn about products that you're interested in learning about um you know or or you know if you're looking for entertainment you go to the media category and go look at all the fun like you know podcasts and videos and stuff that people have been sharing so there really is a category for everyone um there's a lot more depth beyond the home page um so go do that and if you are a cannabis brand or you know somebody at a cannabis brand um or you're just a cannabis fan who loves a certain product come see it on buzzfeed and uh you know that's that's really what makes the world go around you know uh anytime anybody asks me what can they do to help like if you find something amazing in the cannabis related you know it's a cannabis related product service event or piece of content see it on buzzfeed share it with the community well, there you go, guys. I will link to everything you heard in the show notes, including the 2020 professional study. I live in the great cannabis-friendly state of Colorado. If you are a brand here and you haven't been on BudsFeed, you're going to want to check it out. Justin, thanks for coming on, and we look forward to hearing more from BudsFeed. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Justin. Talk soon. Hi guys, it's Jen again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Small Business Speaks. New episodes come out every week, so take a minute now to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcast. And, new thing, we're compiling a directory of all our podcast guests with premium content and offers only available to our members. If you'd like access, go to smallbusinessspeaks.com and drop us your email. That's Small Business Speaks with all the words spelled out. Thanks for listening.